This is episode 92 of the Rising Man podcast with Connor Sherland. Willpower is to the mind like a strong blind man who carries on his shoulders a lame man to see. Blessings family, good morning to everybody out there. I'm Jedi Azuma and welcome to the Rising Man podcast. Whether this is your first time listening, you've been listening since we started or somewhere in between, I'm so grateful to have you here with us right now. Just about two years ago, the first seed of a notion behind Rising Man began. I wanted to create a platform where we could talk about what it means to be a man with men from all different walks of life because this was a big question I was examining myself and still have been. It started as a podcast and here we are two years later, evolved into a full fledged movement. Tens of thousands of downloads, an online community of over 30 men, rites of passage, initiation, the Rising Man movement is in full effect. Yes. Now, I know that not everyone out there is ready to go fast in the wilderness alone for four days and four nights. If you are, send me a message. (laughs) But some of you, you might just be examining this question, what it means to be a man for you for the first time. And that's a good start. Maybe you've been listening to the podcast for a little while now and you're wondering what is the next step on my journey as a man. So let me say this. What the world needs from every man is for him to become the most capable and effective leader he can be. For every man to embody the skills that he needs to lead his family, his community, and to serve his highest purpose and calling in life. If this is what you want your life to look like, then you must have the accountability and support of a circle of men, brothers committed to personal and collective growth. That's why we created the Rising Man Fire Circles. In the Fire Circles, we are training and preparing each other to be more effective leaders of men and more capable of serving our communities. You will have your own fire squad to hold you accountable, monthly training sessions with me, challenges and exercises to keep you forging ahead on your growth journey. To me, this is a no-brainer. And for just 33 bucks a month, you can sign up at patreon.com slash risingman. Get to be a part of this Rising Man movement as we're generating more heat, more fire behind, creating more effective leadership in the world. So don't miss this opportunity to take the next step in your growth, your evolution. Yes, I'm talking to you, the one who's thinking about this, wondering if the fire circles are for you. Join us today and take that next big leap forward. All right, let me introduce my guest for today. Connor Sherland is a former volleyball player who discovered his gift for storytelling through music. With a blend of styles from Americana to indie folk to soul music, Connor's voice compares with present-day singers like Hosier, Ed Sheeran, and Shaky Graves. Hosier, I don't know if I even said that right. (laughs) Combined with his live guitar looping, foot percussion, and carefully chosen lyrics, you're likely to wonder how so many sounds can come from just one man. As his musical journey unfolds, Connor finds a unique way to encourage personal growth and discovery in others by telling his own story with his songs. In this episode, we talked about how a relationship is a dance and an agreement, that there are three parts in a relationship, the two individuals and the relationship itself. The relationship is a third entity. It's like a triangle. We spoke about why overcoming resistance sucks at the beginning, but pays off in the long run, and some really cool strategies and tips for how you might be able to overcome your own resistances, because we all got them. Becoming a man doesn't mean you need to give up your hobbies. The key is putting intention behind them, putting meaning behind them. And Connor had a really great perspective perspective on this. We spoke about willpower as a muscle that will atrophy if you don't use it. How a sense of teamwork helps facilitate growth in terms of personal accountability and responsibility. Thinking about those fire circles, fellas. And last but not least, how music is a low-key drug working on a person slowly over time. In Connor's own words, a low-key drug working on a person slowly over time. Without further ado, Connor Sherland.
All right, Rising Man fam, I have a guest with me today, a man who is actually live in the flesh. So we're both tuning in from sunny Santa Barbara, California. Tuned my, in. My new brother here, Connor Churland. Well done. I got it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, got, I got him. I just asked him before we started recording, and then I got in my head about it. I almost, I almost think it's Churland. You can go to Shalong. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But this is actually a very cool conversation because we're just getting to know each other right now. I don't really know much about time. you. Yeah. You're a musician. Mm-hmm. You live here in Santa Barbara. Mm-hmm. You're half Filipino, half white. Mm-hmm. And that's about all I know. <laughs> I've been married almost three years. Oh, my, uh, cool. Yeah, my anniversary's coming up starting in November. Wow. So, yeah, we're going to oh, go nice. up to San Francisco and see Nick Kroll in Hamilton. Uh-huh. So nice. That'll be, that'll be a baller weekend. That sounds great. Yeah. Are you, and has it been all rainbows and butterflies so far? For the most part, yeah. yeah. There's conflict. Uh-huh. For sure. Okay. Yeah, because <laughs> if you said there wasn't, then I'd have to pause the interview and say, I don't know if I believe you guys. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's not married. He's um, not really married. No, yeah, we, yeah, we actually, like, just got out of a conversation today about, like, some holiday plans, mm-hmm. which is just always dicey, because you have two families in one holiday. Yep. So, that's... Already, uh-huh, <laughs> already, uh-huh. it's 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 a, a decision yeah. to make, and that's what that's what a relationship is, right? It's it's a dance, it's a it's an agreement, mm-hmm. right? A partnership. Maybe it's more of a partnership with a lot of agreements. Yes. And I don't know about you, man. I think relationship begins to get more difficult when we don't see it as that. When it's, I want it this way. Yes. Period. Yeah, because I don't know. The thing I continue to drawback to is like the 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 vows that i was making saying like we were these two things and now we're this one thing mm-hmm. and sometimes i start talking like i'm this one thing mm-hmm. and you're this other thing and it's like mm-hmm. no we're this thing we're making a choice i'm not i'm not trying to stomp over you mm-hmm. we're we're trying to come to an agreement together and sure one of us might have to compromise but at the end of this if neither of us is happy then we don't move forward yeah. so I've heard a different perspective on it, too, because I actually think it's a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. There is the relationship that's its own living entity yeah. when, you know, when you make that agreement. Yeah. And then there's also st- still the part of you that has always been you, that's always right. been uniquely you. And so right. when my wife and I were getting ready to get married, we asked for some mentorship from two elders in our community, a man yeah. and a woman. Who weren't married. They yeah. were just two separate elders. And that's cool. the woman who was married to another man said that they see their relationship as a triangle. Mm. So there's the, the the individuals on the bottom points of the, of the mm-hmm. triangle, and then there's the relationship. Yeah. And they've made their relationship about ten, making sure they tend to each entity in that relationship. Yeah, so that that's smart. the individual self is being taken care of on both sides, yeah. and the relationship is being tended yeah. to. Because the other side of that is we just become one, and then... And then we must have any anymore. hobbies, and we just watch Netflix the entire time, and we just sit there and yeah. right, yeah. And and then, <laughs> and then you wake up one day, and you're like, I've lost who I was, yeah. And where are all my friends from ten years ago? Right. And asking these questions and realizing right. it's actually pretty lonely to just be a relationship and not right. be an individual too, right? So anyway, fascinating start to the conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's double back for a second. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you, for you, what is the difference between a boy and a man? Responsibility. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to stick with the responsibility. I like lists of threes, but yeah. I don't like just putting them out there for no reason. Mm-hmm. There's probably more to that. I, I still hold people to a standard of love regardless of their age. So if if you are a boy that's like of 13, I would still hold you accountable for like loving your sister or like acting in these loving ways. But I wouldn't place additional responsibility on you like... 
I need you to pay for these things and I need mm-hmm. you to yeah, hold down this job and support these other lives. Like mm-hmm. I would just say like your job is to be like my recipient and like spread love where you are mm-hmm. um, versus like switching to the, to the man place of like, and now how I held some of your burdens and responsibility. Now you're going to do that for other people. And like you're, you're going to hold down the job so that you can be generous in these other areas. Right. So, and we've heard a lot of men come on the show and talk about responsibility for men. Mm -hmm. What is the relationship that a boy has to responsibility in your opinion? Yeah, I think, I just think he's under like a different, like his domain is smaller. Mm. Like when I was a boy, it was like your domain is your bedroom, how you conduct yourself on the volleyball court and the classroom. I think those are my three. Mm -hmm. And so I, I focused on those three spots and then I got into college and I was like, oh, wait, there's, like, a lot more than mm. just that. There's also, like, having to make sure I do my laundry and, like, all this other... So, like, hardly any responsibility increase, but I was like, oh, man, this is actually a lot more. Like, figuring out what I'm going to eat. Mm-hmm. And... Which is something you never have to think about as a child. Uh-huh. And hopefully... Good. <laughs> yeah, and then college, I had to think about that. And then getting out of college and being like, oh, I have to figure out how to get groceries after I'm tired from my 9 to 5. Mm-hmm. And that's even harder because I have to there's not enough time for breakfast in the morning I have to make it the night before uh-huh. and like yeah so it, it, it continues like you have to be more of a master of life and you realize what's included in that like an electric bill yeah. and you're like oh, I forgot to pay the electric bill again <laughs> right and pay taxes and yeah. you know create a savings and right. you know get a mortgage on a house all these right. all these small rites of passage we have right. but significant ones that yeah they they sort of present themselves when we're ready for it mm-hmm. when we can when we're prepared because you wouldn't expect somebody or most people coming out of high school to be able to commit to a mortgage on a house right, right. it's almost like this natural progression towards greater responsibility and right. um, so I like that what you said is that a, a boy's domain is just smaller yeah and that it it expands I could even see that visually I was mm-hmm. thinking about myself compared to your story mm-hmm. and where I started to see more responsibilities and and my parents gave them to me. Taking out the garbage. I'm six years older than my younger brother. So at some point it was, watch your brother for an hour while mommy goes and does some errands. That type of thing. Which made me feel good to have more responsibility. So I know there's a connection there. Yeah. Because when I was a boy, all I wanted to do was become a man. Men were the ones doing all the fun stuff. They were driving cars. They were going out. They they could stay out late and do whatever they wanted. And that's all I wanted as a boy. Yeah. So every time I had more responsibility at that stage, it felt like a good thing Mm -hmm. for the most part. But then it was like, I don't really want to take out the trash. Right. Oh, I don't want to do my homework. I don't want to. And then later on, oh, do I really have to pay my cell phone bill now? Sure. Like, I have to take that over. So here's what I always run into because mm-hmm. there's a lot of agreement on this. Yeah. But we, we draw this delineation between boy and man. Mm-hmm. But if it's an ever-expanding dominion, I mean, even now, I'm, I'm getting greater responsibility by now being a father of not just one but two. Yeah. Starting to think about becoming a homeowner in the near future yeah so i'm still gaining more responsibility and though and yet i already identify myself as a man yeah. so where do you draw the line where we, we say that's a boy that's a man well yeah it's definitely a spectrum i mean like cultures have those like switch points mm-hmm. where it's like all right then you had your bar mitzvah now you're a man then you had your say, now you're a woman mm-hmm. um and america doesn't have that mm-hmm. <laughs> we have this weird 18 year old thing but that does that doesn't play right where it's like okay you can be in the military but you can't drink 
And even the 21-year-old thing. Now you can yeah, drink, yeah. but... Yeah, now you can drink, but you can't rent a car. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but you also haven't gotten done with college, so... But you don't have to finish college. You can just continue doing school, or you can, like... Yeah, you can just take a job and, like, be with the boys. There's, there's, there's a lot of different ways to do it. So there's no, like, definitive line in our, in our culture. Right. I think it's something that you have to see in yourself, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you have to define yourself in a different way. Mm-hmm. And that's tricky because, again, there is no specific time where you're culturally pressured into that, which mm-hmm. can be helpful mm-hmm. and can be sucky for others. Just this last week, a guy looked at me, and he was just like, he was 16, and he's playing a, he's going to play a gig with me. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, blah, 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 me and my friends. But I mean, like, you, like, adults. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> this, this boy just called me an adult. <laughs> and I, like, told my wife about it later. She was like, yeah, because you are. And I was like, man, it's crazy. I still don't see myself that way. Huh. So how come you don't see yourself that way yet? Physically, I don't look like an adult. To other people, I physically sometimes look like an adult. Yeah, I just looked very young. My uncle into his 50s still looked like he was in his low 30s. Uh-huh. And like still to this day. And I just think that's a thing that's going to run in my family. Well, how old it? are you? 27. 27. Okay. Yeah. Well, here's the interesting thing. That's first impression. Right. right? So when you're walking up my driveway yeah. to come sit down and have this yeah. conversation, I have a similar thought. Like, oh, this looks yeah. like a pretty young guy. Yeah. And even in like seeing some photos of you on mm-hmm. Instagram, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's a pretty young guy. I don't. Mm-hmm. But you didn't present yourself like a young guy in the way that yeah. you communicated with me and the way right. even even in our messaging back and forth through right. text it was like oh well a, i know a boy a boy communicates a lot differently than that sure so interesting how we get fixed on the on the visual and right. and almost let that direct direct where we go with our thoughts right that now oh well since i appear to be a boy or younger than i am mm-hmm. then that means that means I must be a boy. Exactly. Yeah. So let me take that on. Yeah. But so so where, where do you go yeah. from there? After well, that's the like that's letting your like your physical appearance, which is like defined by others, define you. Which sure. isn't like that's not how you want to do it. So at at some point you have to say like, I'm going to make choices that affect the rest of my life starting mm-hmm. now. And my my buddy, when I was going through some moral dilemmas in my first job, I was 22 and. I was like, I don't know, I kind of want to do this thing, and I kind of want to see this girl. And he was like, you're, you're free to do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Every step is a path. Mm-hmm. And if you want to go down this path, you can. And there will be downsides to that, possibly. Mm-hmm. It seems like, based off of what you've told me your whole life, you want to be this kind of person. And I'm warning you as a friend that I think that's actually, a, you're, you're trying to walk down a very different path. Mm-hmm. And so I would suggest not doing that. Mm-hmm. And... That was that was the most helpful thing where I was like, I'm I'm going to make choices that I might not even appreciate now, but I know are the right choice moving forward. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to work out today. Mm-hmm. I don't want to work out almost ever. Mm-hmm. When I do, I feel really good. Mm-hmm. Like I feel strength in my arms. Right. And I lift heavy equipment for my job all the time. And so when I'm like super sluggish and that feels like a bore, like that really sucks and it like brings a damn problem to it. When I feel like super buff and I'm lifting these speakers like one handed, I'm like, I feel strong. I feel like a man right <laughs> that now. That was worth it. And so all of that, all that working out really makes sense. Yeah, I try to live my life that way where it's like I'm not going to binge on the show in the middle of the day. I'm not going to continue right. watching these YouTube videos. Right. I'm going to write this song or send a hundred emails or like do do all these things because that's my goal isn't to be a professional Netflix watcher <laughs> or right. professional YouTube watcher. It's right. like I want to build a brand. I want to build awareness of these things that I'm trying to call attention to. Mm-hmm. And none of that's going to happen 
through this semi-happy relaxation I'm going through right now. Well, and that's this might be a slight segue from mm-hmm. the conversation we're having, but I think it's really important to acknowledge that if we don't take responsibility for the delayed adolescence or the delayed the the, the delayed step into manhood that mm-hmm. we're experiencing as a culture and society, if we don't all take responsibility for that, then there's a big problem. Yeah. Because we've eliminated any responsibility mm-hmm. in life for most modern boys becoming men. There's mm-hmm. there's no there's no risk involved. There's it's very comfortable. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go out and hunt for your family you don't have to put your life on the line every day for your survival and the rest of the natural world is doing that all the time Mm -hmm. we don't see it yeah and so when you want to build a brand or you want to put your music out there the only thing driving you has to come from within (laughs) and and that's that's really challenging and so i so i get it and we've, we've designed the system this way that hunting for your food is getting in your car and driving to the grocery store mm-hmm. you know or, or not even easier you just drive up to a window and someone hands you food sure i mean I'm, I'm sure a lot of the animal kingdom wished it were that easy sure but since it's not it has these other repercussions and yeah. so maybe you could speak a little bit into that from you know being a 27 year old guy married three years i can already mm-hmm. imagine what you've had to fight your way through to be the kind of man you want to be it's mostly laziness. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. That's yeah. a big one. Yeah, because I think, I think I just default to leisure. I default to <laughs> Super Smash Brothers. Uh-huh. I love Super Smash Brothers uh-huh. so much because I play guitar, so my hands are already getting a workout. Uh-huh. And then I switch to this video game, which is also giving my hands a workout. Uh-huh. It if you're if I'm doing both my hands are screwed uh-huh. if I'm doing like, so I have, there are some days where today's my rest day. So I was able to play some this morning, but it's like on work days being like, Connor, you can be this mediocre super smash player all your life. <laughs> and you are, <laughs> or you can get really good at guitar. And these are the finger exercises and they're going to yeah. leave your hands tired mm-hmm. and that's going to be okay. Um, so there's, there's like, I don't think that, taking on these responsibilities or like working towards your goals involve getting rid of all your leisure activities or anything like all those things that you found fun. Like mm-hmm. I think it, it involves corralling them tighter, like making sure that whatever you're doing, you're using it. It's not using you and it's not like, it's not owning you in some way you're using it for its benefit and you're not just defaulting into things. Mm. Well, let's, let's blow it out a little bit because even just the, the messaging of pursuing a more and more comfortable and secure life Mm. is in my opinion, destroying the planet because just consumerism, having more things is directly connected to what we're doing to the planet. And ultimately the survival of future generations in all Mm -hmm. life. So we're creating this really elaborate problem where we're saying, hey, what you want is to be able to sit on your couch, put your feet up, have a beer and watch your, what are they like now? Like 150 inch flat screen TV on your wall. That's the goal. Mm Mm-hmm. And in by and in, in doing so, all of those things that we're taught that this is what you should be striving for are creating a bigger and bigger problem. Like this, this big black hole that's growing and sucking us in. Yeah, I. So I live downtown. So there's there's just a lot of people who are retired downtown, and I'll go on walks around the neighborhood, and there are so many people in the middle of the day or in the morning or in the afternoon 
with their blinds open, sitting in front of the news, just watching TV all day. Crazy. And it's what they do. And it's like, it's sad because there are, television's great. I love television. Mm-hmm. I grew up on television in a firm way. And it is fun in short segments. But when, again, when it becomes your default, when like you wake up and your routine is like not thinking about what you have to do that day or it, it's so easy to default into because it's designed to keep you watching. Yeah. And I think that hell will be something very similar to people in their houses watching TV alone in the mm-hmm. middle of the day mm-hmm. because it's this thing that's designed to entice you and you love it so much. And then eventually you're just doing it forever and you're like, you're bored. Mm-hmm. You're bored. Mm-hmm. But you're also so lazy you don't get off the couch. Mm-hmm. That <laughs> is like how I think hell will operate where it's like, man... I really don't like it. I don't want to get up. And like, yeah, versus like going outside and play, which is then going outside and play and then watching TV when your body's tired. Like that feels amazing. Yeah. More satisfying. Yeah. And and, and willpower is just like, it's a muscle that atrophies if not used. Right. And all like you said, sitting on the couch. Yeah. And you talk a lot about willpower on your Instagram. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which I think is... I mean, I, I, in my mind, I'd just call it energy, but it's like where, where you decide to put that and how much you use, you only have so much willpower in a day. Uh-huh. And if you're using it on the wrong things, it's it, your my day will just go to crap. Right. Well, let, let's talk about that for a second then. Yeah. Willpower. Yeah. You said that you were raised watching a lot of TV. I was yeah. too. Yeah. And now that I have little kids, I understand how easy it is to yeah. just throw them. How old are you? <laughs> 32. Okay, yeah, we're prime. Yeah, prime same television. generation. That's the, totally. that's the rise of MTV. Yeah, like, absolutely. Like, the first good shows. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and even just a few years behind, probably right around your age, because my, my brother is 26, mm-hmm. and he doesn't even remember what it was like to not have internet in the house. I still yeah. do. Yeah. Like, I remember before we, when it came, when we yeah. had yeah. Netscape Navigator. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's definitely, you know, 30s ish yeah. backwards is yeah. this whole generation that, that that's all they know yeah so being raised that way mm-hmm. super smash brothers video games all yeah. of these entertainment devices mm-hmm. that capture all of our attention and hold right. it very easily how do you crack yourself out of that how did you crack yourself well, i was out also that? like born a volleyball player so my parents met on the volleyball court okay and then they made they were both setters they made my sister and she was a setter and then they made me and so that was like i was kind of just like putzing around playing Pokemon on the Game Boy. Mm-hmm. And because my parents played it and we would play it in the backyard all the time, mm-hmm. at one point my dad's like, you need to try out for this team, which he ran. And mm-hmm. he was like, you're, it's, you're just, it's just going to be today. You're going to try out. And then I did it. He was like, great, you're on the team. I already paid for the full year. And I was like, oh, geez. And then that was like the beginning of my athleticism was like, and meeting these coaches who would... Like, those, a lot of them were, like, very strong male mentor figures of them saying, like, when you let the ball drop, in volleyball, that's not a metaphor, it's just a thing Uh that happens. It's like, (laughs) I need you to take responsibility, I need you to say, like, that's my fault, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to let it happen again. I'm just Uh not. And that that was a big thing that we had to take on, where, like, we would come late to practice, and he'd be like, whose fault is this? And Uh I'd say, it's my fault, I'm sorry, it's not going to happen again. Uh And I'd say, thank you. And that was it. Like yeah. all he wanted was the, and it was, it was really strong, like going against that kind of person. So I would meet these guys that were that much older and super strong. I mean, I was a kid, but they looked super strong. And, mm-hmm. How and, old were you when you started volleyball? 10. 
10. Okay. I mean, I was playing, like, I served the first ball over the net at six. Mm-hmm. So it was like, yeah, it was from a but very, the team, very But the team, that was the where, team really started where accountability went from, you know, zero to a hundred. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's showing up. That's trying. And that's the, I think that's the biggest skill that I have is trying. Yeah. Well, and that's also where a lot of young men, boys, mm-hmm. young men get their first messages of accountability is on a team. Right. You know, it's just the metaphor of a team where if we don't yeah. have you on the court, mm-hmm. we lose. Yes. So we're depending on you. Right. It puts some degree of stress on right. an individual like, oh, wow. And I really have to override all of my comfort mechanisms and right. my escapist mechanisms right. to show up for these people. Yeah. But then there's also the and when I show up for them, I belong. Right. And I'm supported and I get all of these natural human needs that I have met. Mm-hmm. So that's why we see a lot of the guys who make it in the modern world sure. have some sense of team or something they've been committed to, to a lo- for a long time right. that kept them accountable to something. Yeah. Even if it's just simply show up to practice, do your best at your game, don't yeah. let the ball drop. Right. I think for me, one of the biggest struggles that I had to go through being part of a team was like, when you do let the ball drop and you feel that crazy sense of disappointment, mm. you can't shut down emotionally. Mm-hmm. Like you have to in game. Uh move on to the next point right and i think that that's super applicable to the business world and really important because you are going to have these failures and you have to be able to shake it off immediately and Mm -hmm. say like all right next point yeah i'm like super self-critical to this very detrimental space i would Mm -hmm. i'm not the the musician and the athlete in you right it's like a double whammy (laughs) right so it's that's not and i'm no role model in that area at all but that is like, I can't even imagine how much worse I'd be off if I didn't get that skill from, like, on the court and having coaches yell at me, like, get out of your head. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like, now you're yelling at me and I'm even more in my yeah, head because yeah. this authority figure, it's... it's right. But that's exactly it, right? Yeah. We, the only place that we learn yeah. is when we're on the battlefield, mm-hmm. right? And, and simulating these things with developing kids yeah. who are developing into adults yeah. is, is essential. Yeah. And... We're from the same generation. We talked about television, but also the helicoptering mm-hmm. and the over-securing reality sure. for kids, mm-hmm. you know, not being allowed to fail. So it's, it's this combination of having expectations of excellence that yeah. are a lot of times unreasonable. That, that was a lot of my experience as yeah. a kid was if I brought home a report card that had anything less than straight A's, I wasn't beaten with it, beaten for it, but I was questioned about it sure. what happened to that yeah you know and if i if i played in a game I, my parents were really good about you know just do, doing your best mm-hmm. but there was also this so what happened with that ball you missed today sure, like, sure. What, what, to help me learn but also ingraining this perfectionism in me so there's, yeah. there's that element of it but then there's also this how you do one thing is how you do everything yeah right and so how are you showing up on the court what is the what is the healthy message that these kids and these younger versions of ourselves need to hear about that well i I think try my dad was very good about anytime he used this term a lot where he was like you just got outclassed that team was better Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it was very it was very clear and it it actually felt like i got taken off the hook anytime he said that because it was like that team's just really better than your team Mm -hmm. you you guys made these mistakes but i felt like you left it all out on the court or like no, I think that you you really made these mistakes and you'll need to... Like, my dad was my coach for years. Uh-huh. My dad was also my principal for years. Yeah. So, like, having to work through our debriefs after every game with him just being like, 
these are the things I think that you could have done better. What do you think? And he'd be like, yeah, I also think they were also doing this. And he's like, yeah, but... Did he ride you harder than the other guys on the team? All the time. And yeah. that, that was one of the things that he made very clear with me. He's He was really good at communicating with me as a child. Uh-huh. So he, because he was also my principal, it was like, Connor, I we're going to be in the science fair and we're going to be doing these science fair projects. I'm never going to give you first place because that it's just going to look bad. I can't award my own son first place at the science fair when there are all these other kids. So hmm. we're going to make the best science fair project. And if I think that you deserved to win, that's the thing that we're going to do. Like, hmm. like apart from the school. And that happened one time where he was like, we're going to go out and we're going to celebrate and I'm going to buy you a lot of things. And because he's like, that's going to be your prize. And, and it was like this thing of like, oh, so that doesn't matter. What matters is like doing my absolute best. And you're going to see that even if I can't be awarded that. Huh. And, and it was, it was this really, I, I, there's not really a rule, like a, like a book that he learned that from, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. So I think he just winged it. And I think it was pretty good. Cause it's like, yeah, you you don't. Socially, he probably would have ostracized me if he mm-hmm. did give me first place. And then all the other kids are like, oh, Connor is yeah, principal's son. Right. Cause, so, it, like, socially, he really helped me there. And then he also, like, broke me out of this idea of, like, school is everything. Right. Well, that's, that's the tricky thing. And when it comes to parenting, yeah, there's millions of options yeah. but there's only one choice <laughs> right. yeah and you got to live with the you got to live with the consequences of whatever yeah. that is i mean there's also a, a parallel universe where he says you know what you had the best project and you deserve this ribbon yeah and then you get to be publicly acknowledged for sure. winning the competition sure and then also how do you handle all the kids talking behind your back and saying sure. oh it's just because your dad's a principal you right wasn't that good right so that would have been just a different lesson not necessarily a better one sure yeah so it's it's one of those funny things where yeah you get what you get that's yeah that's one of the things he and i've talked about a bit since i became an adult and him like i mean like just so you know we only had two kids mm-hmm. and like his dad died when he was young and mom's dad wasn't like the greatest role model of because he was in the he was in the military so he was gone a lot so it's just like, he was like, yeah, so we made it up. Yeah. And I'm sorry that didn't work out. And I think these things worked out. I'm like, totally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> you were like my age now. So yeah, <laughs> great job. I mean, that's the best metaphor I can think about for parenting is it's like hiking with just a topographical map, hmm. but not even just a topo map. You're hiking from the topo map that's zoomed out. To mm-hmm. where the scale is just, you know, sure. like small increments. Yeah. So you're getting just little glimpses of what the landscape looks like. And then right in front of you, you say, well, I don't really, I can't even see the trail. Yeah. But I think it's this way. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's even, it's that's parenting. It's also most of life too. Yeah. Because you can read the books, you can f- follow direction from other people, learn yeah. from other people's mistakes, but you never really know. And mm-hmm. that's something I wish I heard as a kid was there, that there's not, a, there's not a specific way. Yeah. To do these things. There's the yeah. way that someone's presenting to me. Yeah. But that's just one way of doing yeah. it. And speaking to everything else we've talked about here so far is that within that, the message is there that this is this is your way. Mm-hmm. But it's not. I think that needs to be emphasized more for, for yeah. kids, especially if we're going to invite more opportunities to fail into their life. And I think that the, the opportunities to fail are really important because if you don't make a choice, you default fail. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what I can definitely, like, my dad is just the bomb, but, like, he always made a, made a choice. 
mm-hmm. and like would try and reason that out with me be like this is why i'm making this choice regardless of how you feel about that someone who says i'm doing this for this reason and i understand it's going to affect you in this way i'm sorry for that but this is what i'm going to do mm-hmm. and i think i think it's for the best for all of us mm-hmm. you have to respect that because it's someone who made a thought like really had a lot of thoughts and made a choice mm-hmm. understanding its consequences yeah and we never know like all the consequences but you have to choose like you can't wish you were a professional athlete forever. At some point, <laughs> you have to work. <laughs> and like, yeah. and now, like, that work will exclude you from doing other kinds of work. Right. And even at some point, that ultimate outcome may be beyond your control. Right. And the only thing we can ever really control is how we're being mm. and, and ourselves internally. Even some of that internal stuff, like our emotions, you can't control. Sure. So the choices that we make and, and our actions is really all that there is. And trying to I know I spent a lot of my life trying to manage outcomes mm-hmm. in my life yeah and as a kid That's you a can good do recipe that f- for disappointment well for sure yeah for sure especially because <laughs> as a kid you can do that fairly well because mm-hmm. there's not like you said before your domain is not that big right so I can influence a lot more of my reality as a as a, as a kid where the, yeah. the stakes are low and the field of play is really small yeah but at some point you go out into the world and you just realize I am not running the show here yeah, when your play only involves four characters, uh-huh. it's really easy to understand group dynamic. Yeah. But when, like, geez, when all those characters have coworkers and all of a sudden the play roster is, like, 300, uh-huh. it's hard. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's, before we have to start moving towards wrapping up here, sure. I wanted to, when, when you reached out to me and said, hey, let's have a conversation, mm-hmm. you said something about growing up as a non-alpha male sure and and now i've gotten to know more about you being on a sports team it sounds like you had a a reasonable amount of success it sounds like you're also a smart guy too so tell me about your experience in your words of not identifying as an alpha Mm -hmm. and how that was for you and how you navigated your life being in the middle of the pack yeah i surround myself with a lot of other non-alpha types but i've i also have some friends who are quite alpha but they're I'm thinking of one in particular, and he's the kind of alpha that lets you poke fun at him all the time, and he won't he won't hate you for it. Mm-hmm. So he'll like share share his power with you, which is very fun. I mean, I personally I'm not big. I'm like five nine three quarters. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm also I'm good looking, but I'm not like sexy. You know, mm-hmm. like <laughs> like people. Every time I I meet up with a photographer for a photo shoot, I'm like just like a disclosure. You're, there might be a point where you're like, man, we should try to do some sexy shots. And I'm just going to tell you, I don't think those are going to pan out how you think they are. Because I'm cute. That's my thing. I'm very cute. In in high school, I kind of understand where I was like, okay, that girl's into hot guys. But we're probably not going to work out. <laughs> I'm like, but that girl, she always picks cute dudes. So there's probably, a, there's probably a shot. So there, yeah, there's like a, the whole romantic dynamic of being like the non-alpha there's like in the workplace, it's it, as long as you're not a salesman. Like for the most part, a lot of people really like that because they you're you're oftentimes more cooperative. In music, it's been more difficult because I I walk the way I walk into a room, people assume that I'm the help mm. everywhere because I was the help mm-hmm. as like a lot of my first jobs. Mm-hmm. So that's how I learned to walk into rooms. I walk with hardly a footprint. Like I did an American Idol audition and they said, 
that was the quietest walk-in we've ever heard mm-hmm. on this stage because I was like tiptoeing into the room because I was nervous. Mm-hmm. And I was like, <laughs> so the, but then when I open up and start singing, it's this very different thing. And I feel like that's where people hear me. Well, let's, let's back up for a second because yeah. I probably should have asked you to define the difference between alpha and I guess beta Yeah. because, well, let's just do that. You, can you define them? What, what, what you think is an alpha male? Yeah, well, I mean, Adam versus or Adam ruins everything. Says there are no alpha males, but for the sake of this, there's like there's the like Wolf of Wall Street. I'm here. I sell you the pen. You take the pen. I take the money. I do the drugs and the ladies. Uh-huh. Then there's like the beta, whoever the sidekick to Gaston is, mm-hmm. like the the like henchman, the support character, the Robin to the uh-huh. Batman. Got it. So there's like the muscly one and the agile one, mm-hmm. and yeah, the, the Agile one's typically, like, a lot more flexible, is going to, like, see some of the shortcomings of the Alpha's thinking, like, bring it up to him, and then they as a team will either go through the, the first choice or, like, pivot based off Robin's decision. Uh-huh. So, I don't know, I, I see a lot more of my strengths as emotional than physical, so I, like, I relate to the world emotionally mm-hmm. first, and then I process it mentally and physically last, and, like, a lot of other people that I know as Alphas seem to relate to it physically, mentally, emotionally. Well, it's it's interesting cuz I've I have one I've had one other guy on the show before who his whole brand is Alpha, the mm-hmm. guy who runs Alpha Tribe or yeah. one of the guys Michael Holt down in LA. Cool. And, you know, he was talking about the difference between Alpha and and Beta and all this stuff and I realized that a lot of our shared cultural perspectives of what an alpha male is are really just a small pie wedge of the circle of leadership. Right. So, one style of leading is being the most handsome, the most attractive, literally the most attractive person in a pack that's going to draw energy in. Right. Right. And then the most physically capable, the strongest, the most intelligent, Mm -hmm. the one who stands out in front. Mm -hmm. When there's, when social dynamics are more simple as, as kids, you kind of, organize ourselves accordingly because it's like well the biggest strongest best looking most gregarious one is like the alpha because everybody wants to be around that person at that stage yeah right but that same person 10 years later who never matures or diversifies their leadership portfolio is a douchebag right who's just trying to have sex with everybody that they that will say yes yeah in in what you're saying all i really hear is like a certain leadership style and even the way you walk in a room and you lead by your example, you lead with your gift. You let your actions do the talking. Right. I don't see that as non-alpha. Mm-hmm. So is there another distinction there or are we just using words that mean different things? I mean, I, I think we're just using words that mean different things. Like I I personally will defer to to another person if he wants to talk over me. I'm never, I'm like, okay, fine. Unless it's a situation that involves like justice or something, then I'll stand up. Right. But if people are just saying their opinions and they want to talk over me. They can talk over me as long as they want. Uh-huh. I'm not gonna stop them. Yeah, so I I think I'm just a lot more uh, agreeable. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, that's interest. That's an interesting example again of that you know slice of what leadership can look mm-hmm. like because I also know a lot of elders mm-hmm. who are the last ones to speak in a room. Yeah. But you know that they're in charge. <laughs> yeah. Right, just by their presence, yeah. just by visibly the way they look. You don't have to know anything about their story, but the way they hold and conduct themselves in a space. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big. I'm not big on energetics because it's. I think it's hard for a lot of people to understand because it's not tangible. Yeah. In the physical sense. Right. But there is something about when you have somebody who's a really embodied leader who steps in a room. You're like, whoa. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know who this dude is or what he's about. He hasn't right. opened his mouth yet. He hasn't done anything. He has All he something. did was walk in. Yeah. To me, I wouldn't. I would say that's definitely alpha because mm-hmm. my version of alpha is one who is capable of leading and influencing. Mm. And there's a lot of different ways that we can do that. Right. So when you say that you'll let someone speak in front of you, in one sense, there's a reality where you're just listening deeply and getting to assess the situation better before right. you bring your influence in. Right. I think that becomes more of what some people would call a beta characteristic if you let someone speak first and give them authority. Because mm. you can listen really well and not let them take take over or have right. authority or dominion over you. Yeah, that but makes sense. To me, I think that's the distinction because yeah. when we even use alpha and beta, we're talking about animals and how they organize themselves socially. Right. So the alpha is the one who... Someone's got to make a decision. Yeah. So might as well be the one who's the strongest of the bunch right. and most capable and the yeah. one who, you know, beat up all the other dudes because right. <laughs> right. that's what we value. But right. as humans, we've got a little bit of a... At least a slightly different way that we organize each other socially. Totally. So now at the age that you are now, what you know mm-hmm. about yourself, you seem like you've had a lot of experience and you're a smart guy. So how do you assess your, your influence, your way that you like to be influential with people? Through music. Yeah, because I walk slightly more demure than, than the average bear. Music is something where my, my body kind of switches into this different gear and it, mm-hmm. it holds authority in a much more profound way mm-hmm. when I'm playing music and I can hold a room's attention in a way that I typically can't. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's a really neat thing that I found out about myself <laughs> in like my later part of life, which, nice. yeah, I try to make music that is about the stuff that I'm going through and about some of the lessons I'm having to learn around my desire for control, to control literally everything, my desire to own everything, and <laughs> yeah, my desire to be taken seriously, and yeah, and just having to make my way through the life. So I'm, I'm hoping, like, I'm making music for people like me who are, yeah, who are, like, going through this journey and trying to let go of some of those vices that they've had throughout their life, and, like, a song that is about never getting with that girl and just saying goodbye. Not like never getting with that girl until, you know, next season where we get with her. It's just like, Mm -hmm. just never, we just never did. Mm -hmm. And we never will. And I hope that it stays that way. Mm -hmm. And there should be songs like that because there are lots of examples Mm -hmm. where you should do that. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, Uh Yeah, so I write a lot of songs around that. Yeah, well, that's cool because a lot of the even the, the movies that, that we're attracted to is we mm-hmm. want to see the main character succeed. You know, like in, in, in television shows like, like Game of Thrones, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if you watch Game of Thrones, yeah. but where over and over again they show the character that you're rooting for just fail. Right. And, and in some cases die. Right. It's like, oh, that totally nails my, my discomfort bone because right. it's like, I want them to win. Yeah. Uh, but what I hear you talking about is a more realistic portrait of life and the challenges that we encounter and just acknowledging that they're really there yeah and that's okay that's actually a part of the game yes and i think i'm hoping that some of my music will slowly do work on on the people that listen to it so that even without them acknowledging my music can make a smarter choice down the road because i grew up on eminem Mm -hmm. which is a killer rapper a terrible influence Mm -hmm. and yeah, so I, I I would like to be the another positive Eminem in people's lives where they can be, where they can be affected. Awesome, man. Well, I love that. And 
anybody who's listening to this, you know, we're going to put the link up in the show notes, but, and you can tell us more about this in a minute, just mm-hmm. where to find your music, but you should definitely check it out, especially knowing your backstory now, a little bit of what, what's behind the music before we ever hear it. Yeah. It's kind of, a, a lot of people hear the music and they're like, well, what's this guy about? Sure. And now it's like, well, you know what this guy's about. Let's see how it shows up in your expression. Yeah, yeah. But let's do this lightning style first. I got a couple questions for cool. you and then you can tell us where to find all your info. Great. First one is, what is one thing you've learned in your life now that you wish you knew when you were 18? You are not Aladdin, and the person in between you and that girl is not Jafar. It's not your enemy. He's just... You You have no enemies. That's <laughs> that's just another guy who likes the things you like. Uh, good one. <laughs> cool. And what do you think is the most important value to have as a man? Uh, love. I think... Nice. Yeah, if you if if you can love, then, then you can throw a lot of the other buzzwords out, and you can just stick to that, and... That's a, it's a fair, it's a fair rule. You know, are you being loving? Awesome. Yeah. And where can we follow you, find out more about you, check out your, your music? You got a, your fourth album is you're working on right now? Yeah. Fourth EP is coming out in the next couple months. I'm releasing a song every other week on everywhere. And you can find my stuff on Instagram, Spotify, Facebook, wherever, wherever you get your stuff. Connor, C-O-N-N-E-R. Cherland, C-H-E-R-L-A-N-D. Awesome, man. And and what's the name of your latest album? Toad Boy. And Toad other, Boy. And other related parables. What is Toad Boy about? Tell us that really quick. Toad Boy is about a boy uh, born into a walrus skin. Turns out he's a toad underneath. He sheds the walrus skin and lives out his true life. And that's that's what I've been doing. Beautiful, man. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming over here and sitting down and having a conversation with me. Man. Thank you for I, having me. I, you, I, like I said, like I always say, I never know exactly where we're going to go, but it's good to get to know you. Yeah. And I think this is a really valuable conversation, man. So yeah. look forward to having one again sometime. I would love that. Thanks, Jetty. Awesome. All right. What a conversation with Connor. So unexpected. Connor just reached out to me one day and asked if I wanted to chat about what it means to be a man. And I was down. (laughs) I was down. The way that he presented himself and the way that he expressed what he was into musically and sharing his gifts and his songs and his messages. And we literally had this chat right here in my garage office, Sash Studio. And I was was really impressed by what Connor shared and, and his journey and his story and the humility he has behind his music, his gift, his discovery and his growth. So many great topics on this episode. I really enjoyed diving into this conversation of willpower and finding the will within ourselves to override our safety comfort mechanisms because we all got them. If you guys haven't listened to the Monday morning episode where I talked about the call of the couch then go back and check that out. That's the contrast to willpower is that ever present desire to relax and slow down and rest on our laurels and settle into what our life looks like now instead of continuing to strive forward. So lots of really great insights in this episode. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Make sure you go check out Connor and his music and his new album that he's got out right now. He said he's working on another one, so stay tuned into what this brother's putting out there. It's really good stuff. And make sure if you haven't gotten the hint yet, the Rising Man Fire Circles is where you need to be. Join us by signing up at patreon.com slash rising man today. Don't miss out on this opportunity, fellas. I tell you, it will change your life. We just had our first captain's call yesterday, and that was when it sunk in even deeper how important to me this work is in the world. I really recognize that for us as men to have accountability in our leadership, to have a mirror to show us where we are missing the mark and where we could be showing up more powerfully is essential. So join the fire circles, get held accountable to be the leader that you want to be and get the mirror that you need because we all need that. 
I need that. Check out the links and resources in the show notes over at therisingmanpodcast.com. My man Julian Subic holding it down heavy. Thank you, J-Dog. Appreciate you, bro. Subscribe to the Rising Man Podcast wherever you're listening to us, whether it's on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean. I, I don't know any of those places where you can listen to podcasts these days. Please hit that subscribe or follow button. Throw us some hearts. Throw us some likes. Five-star ratings and a comment if you feel so inclined because this is what helps us raise our ratings and keep rising the charts in the true spirit of the Rising Man. As always, you can check out the Rising Man podcast Instagram. Check out all these amazing images that my bro Rowan Tyne has been putting up there for us for a long time now at Rising Man Podcast on Instagram. Make sure you're not following us there already. Make sure you do because we're putting up sound bits and little pieces and nuggets and takeaways from each and every episode. So share those up. Send them to a man that you think would benefit from listening to the Rising Man Podcast because that's how we keep this thing rolling. And let me shout out the rest of my Rising Man Power Squad. Got Mark Rose, the head fire chief, holding it down in the fire circles, doing an amazing job. Appreciate you, brother. And the ever-present, always incredible Sean Offenbach, editing, producing the Rising Man Podcast since the start. 150 plus episodes strong now. Mm, My man's been doing some work. Thank you, Sean, for everything you do. And everybody else out there, I want you to really take this message to heart that if you're a man, your mission is to become a more effective leader more effective leader of men, more effective leader of your family, more effective leader of your community. And that can look like a lot of different things. And for the ladies out there, because I know there's some ladies listening, your job is to challenge your man lovingly and with compassion (laughs) to be the best leader that he can be. And not just your man, but all men. Hold that standard high, ladies, and remember that we are doing our best out there. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.